Hello and welcome back to the Coivecast. This is episode four. I'm your host, Ross Williams, and uh, apologies, it is just me today. Uh, we've had a couple of episodes with guests. A uh, big thank you to Adam Hughes coming on for episode two. Uh, and my old man, my dad, came on to episode three. Uh, he did a good job as well, I thought. I thought he did a really good job. Um, but just me today. Just me uh, for a relatively quick one. Uh, as we go into the big Salford game on Friday, I wanted to get some kind of preview out this week and then something a little meatier next week, potentially. Um, but yeah, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Everyone has listened to one, two or three of uh, the episodes so far. It's gone down extremely well. I can't quite believe the amount of downloads we've had so far, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I feel like a bit of a broken record. It's been like it every episode, but um, I, I really am just chuffed. Um, the, with the response we've had, um, just just the sheer amount of people listening, and yeah, the fact so many are taking the time out to uh, give comments and uh, feedback as well. Feedback's great. Uh, I want that. You know, I really want this podcast to be for you guys, for the fans. It's not necessarily just about me. This is about everyone. Uh, so feedback's excellent. Um, yeah, anyone taking the time out to get involved, to engage in any way, uh, I really really appreciate you. And uh, even. Or the people who disagree as well, especially the people who disagree. If anything, obviously, we are rugby league generally is quite divisive. There's a lot of comments here, there, and everywhere. Obviously, been an interesting time for the club recently as well. Um, you know, I don't want necessarily everyone to agree with me. Or more to the point, I don't care. Nor should anyone. We're just we're just having a chat about rugby league, the sport we all love. So, yeah, those that agree, those that don't, um, keep engaging. Uh, I absolutely love it, and uh, love you guys for for listening. I hope it well. Long may it continue. Um, so yeah, episode four. Um, for those wanting a preview, um, sorry, a review of Magic Weekend, that was episode three. So whichever podcast provider you're listening to, uh, hit back if you've not listened to that. We do do about half an hour on that uh, that massive, massive win over Leeds on Saturday. That's a pretty good listen, I think. Not least because you can hear about a cast win, which has obviously been pretty, uh, pretty rare uh, of late. Um, so spirits are pretty high on that one. Um, this is very much going to be looking ahead, first and foremost, at the Salford game on Friday, as I said. Uh, and also, we're going to run through uh, a Q&A, which is really going to test me out a little bit. Uh, I asked uh, on Twitter the other day, at Coivecast on Twitter, if you're not following already, do go over there. Uh, I asked for some questions, just kind of general rugby league questions, uh, or specifically specifically about, about Cass. Um, so I'm going to do my best in the second half of this podcast to go through the seven or eight responses we got picked out the best questions and i'm going to try and answer those to kind of the best of my ability or at least kind of raise some discussion uh amongst you guys and obviously i want you to get involved on social as well um friday then friday 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 the salford red devils um bit of a bogey team of late aren't they um not had a win in a few games i think they've got about a four game spin on us the salford red devils it's become it's become a tough ask. It's become a real tough ask. I think faced a million on the season. Um, lost, I believe, it was fourteen six at their place. Pretty dreadful game, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, There's a few weird video ref decisions in there as well. Uh, but we were off it. They were off it. Uh, but even so, they managed to get enough uh, to pick us off in the end. They've been a real tough team to beat um, for cast teams generally uh, of late. And to be honest, rugby teams generally, I think they are a tough team. Uh, to get one over. I think Paul Rowley has done uh, a pretty exceptional job uh, with Salford over the last couple of years. They were a team, obviously they were great last year. Uh, one of the stories of last season, I would say. 
I was a little bit concerned about Salford for Salford. This year, I made the point that, you know, we went into the season, for example, with a squad of, uh, well, 37, Danny Richardson had a 37 shirt, so 36, I guess. Um, I think Salford had about 10 players less. I think they went into the, uh, the season with about 26 players. Um, you know, they'll spend the cap, but still 26 players, bear in mind Salford do not have a functioning academy. Um, I, I, I fear for them a little bit because, you know, luck is difficult to come by in rugby league. Um, and they clearly came by some last year in terms of injuries, whereas other teams didn't, those included. It does seem they've kind of been all right again this year. I mean, kind of touch wood for them. We are midway through the season, but they've generally kept bodies on the field. And when they're able to do so, um, it does work. That approach of kind of going light in terms of squad, but really kind of plowing the money into those into those key positions in the 13, particularly the halfbacks, of course, uh, is really working for Salford at the moment. So if they can keep players fit, they're a very, very difficult team to beat. There is a player or two missing this week, but on the whole, it's still a pretty strong squad. Um, obviously, Saturday was huge for Cass. Saturday was absolutely massive. And I don't know about you, but I felt so, so relieved <laughs> all week, to be honest. I think there was a, there was a growing sense of dread um, going into Saturday. It's obviously been, certainly since I started the podcast a few weeks ago, but probably for the last four or five weeks, really, there was just ever since that previous Leeds win, we just weren't pulling away from Wakefield. It was still that four-point gap. Since the weekend, we pick up that win. Wakefield put in one of the worst Super League performances I've ever seen against Lee. That six points feels like a lot of points. It really does. And I think as we made the point in episode three, it's really seven points because I think we've got about 140 more points for them in, in the difference tally. So they're going to have to win four more games than us, basically. Um and obviously, we've got a game against them, which is essentially a four-pointer now. I feel a lot better. I feel an awful lot better about relegation. And, you know, Andy last said in this press conference the other day, the, the trick now is probably not looking back too much. And it's kind of looking forward, looking at the team in, in 10th rather than the team in 12th. It's easier said than done. But I think after last week, it's certainly a little bit easier. And, um, yeah, that six-point cushion is very, very important. And then should, in theory, let us play with a little bit more freedom. You know, a little bit of the pressure should be off. Um, you know, on the, on the Tigers forums, to, uh, Tigers forums, the Tigers socials today. Um, sorry, kicking challenge. Uh, by the way, if Cass are listening to this, uh, more of that, please. That that kind of content is really, really good. We want to see the lads having a bit of fun. Doesn't have to be all serious, particularly after a win. Um, seeing Alex Miller commentate on those uh, pretty poor kicks. I won't lie, with the exception of Jacob Buckham, but. Uh, that was good to see. Hopefully, the win has provided a little bit of relief from the players and not be quite as rigid this week. And the coach as well, you could tell it was it was gripping him, wasn't it? Um, this kind of wait before the win. And obviously, the celebrations kind of spoke for themselves on Saturday. So hopefully, a little bit more freedom going into this week. Um, and let's try and build on it. Let's try and build on what was not an incredible performance by any means. I mean, if you, if you watch Castle Leeds back, and I'm sure many of you have, uh, or at least the highlights. It's not the highest quality game of rugby league you're ever going to see. You know, this is not an Old Trafford team in the waiting by any means. Um, but it was a better performance, which is all all you can really ask for. And there's a lot of effort there. There was a lot of effort there across the 13, uh, well, across the 17. Really, that's really something I want to see the build on going to this week. Um, just kind of keep that pressure on a little bit. And I mean, if we can turn that into two wins on the spin. Uh, it's a big ask if we can turn it into two wins on the spin, going into a challenge cup week as well. We can have a little bit of breather. If there's a potential eight point cushion there, 
dare I say, touch wood, I think that would be all she wrote, to be honest. So that would be huge. And at that point, then you can start really looking up and going, playoffs is a little bit far, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're about 10 points off St. Ellen's at the minute. I'm not saying for a second we're going to catch St. Ellen's, but if we can have a decent run towards the end of the year and even finish eighth, ninth, that would be quite an achievement, I think, from where we were. So, um, yeah, effort levels at the very least. Let's see the effort from Saturday replicated on Friday. Let's hope we can. Um, in terms of the result, though, and, you know, getting a little bit carried away there in terms of talk of playoffs and even going eighth, but we can't be under any illusions of Salford's threat, I don't think, going into this one. We are eight-point underdogs at the moment with the bookmakers. I dare say if we'd not got the result uh, last week, we'd be a fair bit higher than that. I'd imagine we'd be kind of 12, 14 points, but eight-point underdogs at home against Salford. But it is merited. Um you can understand it. Salford won three on the bounce now, including the cup game against the Giants where they scored 42 points. And they're sitting kind of fairly pretty, really, in fifth. they take that all day long. Two points clear of St. Ellen's, albeit with the game in hand. Um, they're in a pretty good spot. They're in a pretty good spot, Salford. And they're, they're a team that can just kind of lie in wait there, as they did last year. They were very unlucky, if you remember, not to beat St. Ellen's in the semi-final um, last year. They're a team that's quite happy to just kind of sit there... Get, get in the six and they're probably not a team you want to face in the six, to be honest, when you get to the nitty gritty of the playoffs. So they're pretty happy where they're at at the moment. Um, the reason why they're there, I mean, they've got threats just all over the field, to be honest. They're a very, very well-rounded team, particularly in attack. Um, you know, it, there's many reasons why everyone should get down the lane on Friday night. I'll be there. Hopefully, you know, the crowd will be significantly better than obviously the whole game was a little different because obviously it was cup and, it felt like the lowest of the low uh, at the time. And obviously, it was a poor crowd that day. You'd like to think, you know, weather's back, heat wave this weekend. Salford travelling pretty well as well in the fans. They never used to, but certainly in the last couple of years, they've really kind of started travelling pretty well. You'd like to hope there'd be seven and a half, maybe even touching eight on Friday. I think that's realistic. And obviously, off the back of a really good, well, again, a better performance against Leeds. Um, it's, it, I keep wanting to say it was an amazing performance against Leeds it's simply because we've got a win a win just feels massive doesn't it uh, and hopefully that can have a real effect on the crowd the atmosphere um, and like I say if nothing else Salford are a heck of a team to watch I, I think if you're on the fence about coming to the game on Friday obviously you want to support the boys but I think Salford are the most entertaining team to watch in Super League and it's pretty not that close to be honest I think when they're on song you know Touchwood they won't be on song quite so much tomorrow but when Sneed and Croft are at it, um, they're sensational, particularly Croft. Obviously, Mark Sneed, we know all about his kicking game. Still probably the best kicking game in Super League, off the cone, uh, and, in, and in general play as well. In terms of picking out 40-20s, um, you know for a fact he's going to be trying to pick out a 40-20 on our pitch uh, on Friday night, that's for sure. But um, yeah, Brody Croft is, I mean, his resume kind of speaks for itself. Brody Croft was going to be the next big thing in Australia, wasn't he? And it wasn't, didn't quite happen for him. But certainly over here, he's 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 a he's a, he's on a serious level. He's on a serious level, Brody Croft, and I think we can't let him play too much tomorrow, or he will rip us to pieces. And that's just what he does. Um, but yeah, an excellent team to watch. So we've really got to be on it. Back line as well, and it's a real threat. I mean, Joe Burgess and Ken Seo have got an awful lot of Super League tries between them. Um, I think Tim Lafay's in the squad. Um, sensational centre was very good value for his call to the Samoa side uh, at the World Cup and. And Dion Cross, who kind of came from nowhere, to be honest, but Dion Cross is uh, a really, really, really strong centre in Super League now. I think he's out of contract in the, the year as well. I'm not sure whether they've re-signed him 
Um, he's a little bit older than you suspect, the Cross, I think, which is probably why he didn't feature in our squad builder uh, a couple of episodes ago. But um, on a short-term deal somewhere, or even a two-year deal somewhere, it'd be a quite a nice pickup for someone, I think. Um, and I suppose if all our rumoured signings were not in the centres, he's certainly someone I'd be looking at. Um, but he's, he's done a heck of a job at Salford as well. Um, I think one course of optimism we've got is at the hooker role. Um, Andy Ackers didn't play uh, the Magic Weekend. He was out of concussion. He's still out with that concussion. He wasn't named in the team. Uh, although it was a 20-man squad, which kind of worried me a little bit. I don't know if they, I don't know if it's impossible to kind of name a 21 uh, an extra man late on. I'm not sure of the ruling on that, but Andy Ackers was not in that squad. So as it stands, he certainly won't be playing this week. Maybe that does give us a little bit of an edge, at least in that position. Um, I think Paul McShane had his best game of the year last year. You can probably say the same for a lot of the players, but McShane was excellent. The pack was on top, which is crucial, obviously. The pack have got to get a roll on. But when they did, that was kind of the Paul McShane of old. It was using that quick uh, play of the ball, you know, picking that, that one-handed pickup, that trademark one-handed pickup, scooting around, picking a pass early doors and just kind of causing absolute nightmares for the markers. That's what Paul McShane's all about. We might have the edge at hooker. You'd like to think we're going to have the edge at hooker this week. And it's just, just up to the pack to kind of really take advantage of that and make sure that uh, Paul McShane's got the, got the groundwork for it. Um, I think it'll be Chris Atkin. I think it'll be Chris Atkin who's going to play at nine for Salford this week. He started there last week. Uh, they've got a couple of options, but I think Chris Atkin is likely to be starting nine. He was a, you know, he's, he's a decent enough utility player in Super League, but certainly shouldn't be of the standard. Paul McShane, you'd imagine. Um, so that's a potential area where Cass can get the better of them. Uh, and speaking of Cass, that's Salford wrapped up pretty much. Speaking of the Cass Tigers, so let's talk about this 21-man squad then. In, an interesting one, a really, really interesting squad. I felt one of the most interesting of the year. Obviously, four players uh, out of the squad from the Magic Weekend, so taking them all in turn. Alex Meller, um, which is a massive blow. Uh, I will I will admit it's a huge blow. He failed a late HIA. Um, they must have, I don't know the process, I'm sure others do. Um, I did think he passed the HIA, so there must be multiple ones throughout the day, I imagine, or throughout the match day. Uh, apparently he failed a late one. So uh, that's, that's, a big, that's a big loss. It's a big loss off to definitely his best performance of the season. Obviously playing out of position in the centre, but two tries caused a real threat on that right edge. And I think we're going to miss that. Um, this week a little bit, so that is a shame. Uh, Liam Watts suspended. <laughs> um, heard that one before, haven't we? Uh, it's a shame that one. Um, I will give Watts his due this time. You know, he's been done. I mean, someone put a post at the start the other day. He's been banned a lot over the last two years. Let's not beat around the bush. He's missed a lot of games, certainly for someone who's probably taken quite a fair bit of the cap up. Um, you know, he's, there's been some late hits on kickers. There's been some swinging arms that shouldn't have been swinging. There's been some, there's been some daft ones, frankly. There has been some daft ones from Liam Watts over the last couple of years. I must admit, they got him for a crusher this time. It did look a bit innocuous, this one. Uh, it's one of those tough ones. Obviously, they're clamping down on it. Um, this didn't, there didn't seem to be a lot in it for me. They really didn't. And we, I only saw the wide angle, uh, maybe a zoomed in angle, uh, zoomed in. Angle could have shed a bit more light. Maybe there was a bit of extra pressure on the neck. I don't know. But from what I saw from the angle, I thought that was a bit harsh, to be honest. I, I thought the, the match bound was a bit harsh. And I think, realistically, had it been a different player um, without the previous of these, his many, many bands previously, I, I, I don't think 
uh, he would have got a game, to be honest, especially with this kind of new um, kind of finding process. I think he probably would have been a fine if it had been someone else or maybe not even at all. Uh, but I think his previous record of bad uh, of bad behaviour probably probably didn't go in his favour this time. So Liam Watts is out for a week. That is a blow. That is a blow. Yeah, he had a good game. He had a good game on Saturday. So that's going to take a little bit of replacing, uh, I think. And obviously in the players that have come into the squad, it's not really there. Uh, we've not brought props in. So it's going to be up to the existing squad to kind of fill that gap. So, uh, you know, a, a big opportunity for someone to take um, take a real take a real grip of this game, I think. Um, Brett Freimer, still out. Uh, he does not make the squad, so he can't be healthy or healthy enough because he would have been in, I assume, because also Elliot Wallace does not make it. Sounds like a heck, unfortunately. Um, that was the one that probably... Uh, the most, uh, I think. Obviously, we knew about Watts. Uh, we knew about Mella pretty much. Uh, Elliot Wallace not being inside. Stung a little. I think he's had a great first few weeks. Um, obviously, took his try really, really well on Saturday. Um, kind of come into his own a little bit. Uh, it was good to get in this kind of run of games and a bit real run of form. Um, and the last press conference earlier today, it seems he's torn some fibres in his pec, having a scan earlier next week. And they're suggesting, hopefully, it might not be surgery. Obviously, surgery, I'd imagine, would near enough right amount for the year, uh, which would be a real, real blow. Hopefully, that's not the case. and You can kind of push through the pain barrier a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's a blow for this week, certainly in terms of kind of the options. I'll try and put, put together something like a 13 in a sec. And we are going to be a little light. That, that, that is for sure. And Elliot Wallace missing out is, is not ideal. Um, but of course, it does create opportunities for others. Uh, four, t- four players come in, four young players, really. Uh, so at least one of them is going to be in there. Um, Jacob Huckham in the squad, probably the least likely, if I'm honest, uh, just because the spine worked really well or worked as well as it has done all year. So I think Huckham will probably be unlucky to, uh, well, sorry, will be very lucky to be in this squad, I think. And it'll probably take an injury close to the game. And obviously, touch wood, that doesn't happen for Jacob Huckham to feature here, but uh, he makes the squad. Will Tate is back in. Um, might feature, may well feature, I think. Uh, did, a, uh, did a game on the wing, obviously, against Hull a few weeks ago. I wasn't too struck, if I'm honest, but I think he's just very green, very raw. He needs game time, ultimately. So whether this is the game for him to throw him in against a very kind of accomplished backline, I'm not sure. Ken Seo, Joe Burgess on the other side. It's a tough ask either side, but um, we'll take it as someone who could potentially go in there. Alex Sutcliffe is in there. Uh, he was dropped on performance. Um, according to last last week, that was a performance issue. He wasn't happy with where he was at. So, you know, Alex Sutcliffe, I'm sure, will be getting messages this week. Here's your chance. Here is your chance to go in and uh, right some wrongs. Uh, hopefully that works out for him. Uh, and Aaron Willis uh, is in the squad for the first time this season, a potential debut for Aaron Willis. I'm not going to pretend I know a hell of a lot about Aaron Willis. Um but he's a back rower. Uh, I believe he was an academy player of the year last season as well. So he's clearly got a little bit of rep uh, within the youth set uh, youth setup. Obviously, he was given a jersey number. I believe his jersey number thirty three uh, at the start of the season. So excited to see what we've got there. Excited to see what we've got there. And Andy Last did uh, insinuate that he's got a pretty good chance of playing as well, uh, based on the press conference. Obviously, we are a little bit light in the forwards, so it would make sense for him to be on the bench. I'd imagine. Um, so the team um, in full, the squad, Turner, Fenua, Widdop, Miller, Lawler, McShane, Griffin, Edwards, Westerman, Massey, Sutcliffe, Broadbent, Mustafa, Matangi, Rob, Martin Hall, uh, Hookham, Carrigarry, 
Willis and Tate uh, numerical order. As I say, keep the spine as it is, I imagine. I'm very surprised if it changed that. So Wood at fullback, Miller Broadbent in the halves, McShane at nine, obviously Weston at 13. Um, it's just that back line, isn't it? It's just that back line, what you do there. Jordan Turner did have a knock, did come off with a knock against um, against Leeds on Saturday. It wasn't really discussed in the press, so I assume he's okay. Uh, I imagine he will start based on based on being in the squad. Obviously, Mahi Fanu is still in there, uh, back in there, so Mahi Fanu would probably be the other side, I think. Looking at this, it'd be him or Sutcliffe either way. Um, obviously, you've got Jason Gary Gary will retain his spot on the wing because there's really not another winger in this team. If I'm being brutally honest, there isn't uh, another out and out winger. So Jason Gary Gary will definitely start. We'll probably start. On the, interestingly, he might start on the left as well this week. That was. Something that probably wasn't talked about enough, I think, on Saturday. The fact that Elliot Wallace started on the kind of preferred left edge uh, with Gary Gary on the right. Um, Gary Gary will, I assume, go on the left this week. Uh, but that's one to look out for because it will impact how we how we play a little bit, I think. Um, so in terms of other wing spot, Will Tate is the only one with, and I say pedigree, I mean, he played there once this year uh, for the first team. Will Tate may well go on the wing. It's an option we've looked at before. If not, Perhaps it's Tate or Sutcliffe in at centre, and then Fenua on the wing. Um, I don't love that option, if I'm honest. I mean, we talked about the lack of pace. It's non-existent, really, Omahe Fenua. Um, nothing can do about that. It's just what it is. Um, as I say, against the likes of Ken Seo and or George Burgess, uh, Joe Burgess might be able to catch George Burgess. Uh, George Burgess, uh, not Joe. Um, I would not like Fanua on the wing, to be honest. So that really limits your options to Will Tate, uh, I think, on that wing spot, unless I'm missing something. I don't think I am. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a real test. You can understand why we're eight the dogs uh, in this game. And I think what's important is we don't lose track of where we're at as well. You know, if this is a game where we end up, you know, losing by 12, 14 points, but the effort's there and, you know, there's been some... Um, there's some familiarities with what we did on Saturday uh, and even some from the week before as well, uh, certainly in terms of defence. If it's starting to come together and there's periods of the game where we are on top and we're showing a little bit of something but we ultimately don't come away with a win, I don't, without being negative, I think we need to somewhat accept that is the case and that's where we're at this year. We're not going to win every game. We're not going to win every game. Just because we've beaten Leeds and looked all right at Magic Weekends, you know, we're not going to be at that level every single week. We're still realistically going to lose more games than we win this year for the rest of the year. Um, so, yeah, realism again, a real buzzword for the podcast, but realism is very, very important. And with the questions about to come, I'm sure realism might come up again uh, a couple more times. But um, just a strong performance, just a strong performance, a trying performance, effort levels where they were against Leeds. And I think if we can get a crowd of 7,000 in there, that'd be a big result. And I'm sure that 7,000 would get behind the team um, that was really putting it in and kind of digging it to Salford and giving them a real go. You know, we were only eight points behind at their place. It's not an impossibility to turn them around. Absolutely not. Certainly on home patch, certainly with crowd behind them. So, you know, we'll have a good go and hopefully the effort levels are where we want them to be. Right. Okay. Okay, let's get into the Twitter Q&A, then the second part of this podcast. Uh, thank you very much to the people who did reply on Twitter. Um, I did put something on the Tigers community forum as well. Uh, no comments on there. Come on, be better. Come on, you can do this. You can do this. 
Um, but Twitter did come through for me. Um, okay, let's find these questions then. And we'll start with uh, Fat Boy Rob. Twitter celebrity. Twitter celebrity, Fat Boy Rob. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Um, the question is as follows. Why do you hate Greg Eden? Does have a wink face, to be fair. He does have a wink face, <laughs> so I can accept it. Uh, a little bit tongue-in-cheek on this one, and of course, we do not hate Greg Eden on this podcast. Uh, obviously, this relates to episode two. Uh, if you've not listened to that, do listen. It's probably our uh, best so far. Uh, myself and Adam Hughes basically put together a potential squad for 2024, kind of run down the 1-17, to plus them, some of the reserves. And obviously, as part of that, we had to make a decision on some of the options for next year and some of the players out of contract. Uh, Greg Eden is one of those players who does have an option for next season. Should we want to sign him, we can offer him a deal and he can we get first refusal, essentially. We both said no to that. Um, this is probably probably the most divisive point of the entire podcast, to be honest, in terms of comments we received. It was, you know, a, a lot of people would keep Eden in that position. I get it. I completely get it. He's been a phenomenal try scorer for Cass. You know, he's going to take his rightful place in, in Cass history, Cass modern history, certainly, uh, for his try scoring record when he retires and certainly should as well. I'm sure he'll get a wonderful um, a wonderful response when he does eventually leave the club. Um, he scored an unbelievable amount of tries and his try-to-game ratio is really, really the crucial thing. Uh, yeah, he really has been prolific throughout his career. Um, fact remains, he's, I think, 32 now, um, coming up to 33. And, you know, he's not available this week. He's not available this week. And that has been, unfortunately, a trend of his career as well, but took it down the stretch. He, he is ultimately an older, injury-prone winger. Um, you can't sugarcoat that. When he's on the field, you know, he puts it in. He, he frightens teams. Uh, he frightens teams. You know, he was excellent in the two wins, Leeds and Wakefield. Um, he was two-man of the match performances there, you'd argue. Um he put in a heck of a shift last season as well, played at six uh, for, for, for about a month, which was, you know, well out of his comfort zone and, and really did a pretty good job, to be fair. Um, but we've got to think about the future. And that was the whole point of that podcast, really. We'll think of thinking about the future of what we want in a cast jersey and ultimately what we want the squad to kind of look like in terms of its makeup. And the problem you kind of have with Greg Eden is, and obviously I don't know the inner workings of his contract, but... He'll be on a fair wage. He should be, you know. He's been a vet, he's essentially a veteran of the club now. Obviously, been here for a number of years. Obviously, started at the club as well. Um, you know, the more the the more often you extend a contract at a club, obviously, the money's generally going up. Might have dipped a little bit last year. That's substantial, but generally, he's, he's going to go up over, over the long term, and he's going to be one of the highest, highest earners at the club. I'd be surprised if he's not one of the highest earners, or at least in kind of that top seven or eight. The thing is, for a winger as well, I don't want to be too besmirching of wingers, but if you can find someone with similar characteristics, with similar attributes, who is seven or eight years younger and is going to take 30 or 40 grand less, when you're at the start of a rebuild and you're looking at two or three years down the line competing, uh, which is realistically where we're at, you've got to consider that you've really got to consider that and in a salary cap sport you've got to try and do that and then use that excess 30 40k to strengthen someone else because it is probably a position of strength really when he's on the field but there's other areas which clearly aren't as strong um 
So really, I think that money you can save by picking up someone slightly cheaper but younger with that experience or with that um, potential, you can use it in the short term elsewhere. Um, so to answer, to answer the question, we do not hate Green. That is, that is not the fact. Uh, that is not the fact of the matter at all. We just... There's an element of ruthlessness which needs to be taken this year with the club. And if we're not ruthless about any of them, we'll be in the same boat in a year's time or two years' time. And that boat will continue and it'll just sink. It will sink. The reason why Cass have been like they are this year is because too many players have probably stuck around a bit too long because the club have probably been a little bit too nice to them. Uh, I think that's that's kind of the fact of the matter, really. And, you know, there's, there's the element of other players just not been available to fill the positions. Fair enough, because the expectation has been too high. But the expect, expectation for next year in terms of league position is going to be pretty low. We don't necessarily, you know, we're not aiming at Old Trafford next season. We shouldn't be. So we can take a little bit of a hit short term in terms of bringing someone in with more potential. It makes sense. It makes sense to move on from a player like Greg Eden this year. It just does. Uh, he's been a fabulous servant, but I think the time is just about right for him. Okay, next question. Carl Gibbs, thank you very much. I'll read this one out for you. So, with the uncertainty again regarding to the stadium upgrade and the environmental agency possible objections, do you think we'll ever get a new stadium or an upgrade? And how is this going to affect the club with regards to the IMG planned stadium grading? Uh, lots to unpack there. Lot to unpack there. It's the first time we've really discussed the stadium on the podcast as well. Obviously, it's such a a massive issue. It's been a massive issue for my entire life and that's not hyperbole. I'm 25 years old and pretty much my entire existence as a cast fan, there's been some kind of plan um, knocking around at various kind of levels of um, where it got to. Um, this plan's interesting because this is the furthest we've ever been. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't think we've been closer um, to anything happening. Um, I think the real kicker of this one which I mean naturally we'll start from the beginning we're all cynical right we're, we're all critical of any kind of stadium plan because like I say there's been 20 years of it maybe even longer there's been multiple sites and you know 3D images and etc 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 ground so we're immediately skeptical of anything going to happen uh, of anything going to happen we I think as a fan base we just we just Expect it to fall through, basically. Um, there's been that kind of negative attitude throughout the club, and I get it. And I get it because we've been let down so, so many times. Um, if I hear the word brick again, I mean, you know, but, you know, the people who bought a brick still have a case, ultimately. And that, that's really what it is. But one thing that gives me cause for just kind of sit down and take a breather on this one is the way in which we are getting this redevelopment is really much identical to the way Wakefield have got theirs. That's what sets this apart. Um, legally, um, that absolute, you know, peach of a piece of land next to the M62, um, which is presumably Greenbelt, uh, if, if not Brownbelt, um, nothing can happen there. Nothing can happen there at all until Cass have a redeveloped ground. That that's legal. That that is the way, the way it is. When when that ground was purchased. Uh, by Axiom or whatever you want to call them. The agreement was the only reason they were able to get that site in the first place, albeit for a shopping centre back in the day, the only reason they were able to get that site, that prime spot, was because they agreed to build a ground for Castle Tigers. Simple as that. Obviously, things happened in the world. Um, 
you know, there was there was obviously a few problems in terms of actually filling the shopping centre anyway. Obviously, it is pretty close to rival uh, shopping centres, so that never seemed like the greatest use of it anyway, to be honest. But regardless, it was going somewhere. Then something called Brexit happened. Really didn't help things. And then something called COVID happened. So I think that was never really going to take off. And I think we were genuinely scuppered by those two world events, frankly. Um, obviously, the replan um, came in where they were going to turn it into warehouses, um, which, let's be honest, makes sense. And I know there's objections to that, and I get it. If I lived on, uh, I think, Stainburn Avenue, isn't it? And I can understand the objections. I do get it. But at the same time, just go up and down the motorway. I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just here. It's not just here. There is demand for that right now. There is demand for those warehouses, and ultimately that creates jobs, that creates money in the local economy and with the way the local economy is at the moment with the cost of living crisis i'm not sure the council can be affording to turn down investment frankly so i actually think that aspect of it will go ahead uh, i think it really will and that's the beautiful thing for the cast tigers really because those warehouses if they are approved by wakefield council in a month or two time they cannot build those warehouses legally until they've developed this ground it's there. It's in black and white. It's the S one hundred six agreement. It is in black and white. So I know um, Mark Grattan's been spoken to this week by uh, some members of the forum, and he's essentially repeated what he said to Matt Shaw a few months ago. Um, should this planning application go through uh, with Wakefield Council either this month or next, uh, it'll then go to the Secretary of State, where it'll essentially sit on a desk for twenty eight days. If the Secretary of State does not take it any further. We get planning application, and as far as the club have said, and we can only take their club's word for it, Axiom or the people representing Axiom or whatever that company is will then release 12.5 million quid to the club, at which point, added to the 2 million we got from the council a few years ago, you've got 14.5 million to redevelop Weldon Road. And that has to happen before those warehouses get built. And obviously, it's in Axiom's interest that Axiom were never going to make money from Castle of the Tigers itself. We Castle Tigers were essentially used as a pawn to get that land to first and foremost build a shopping centre, but it failing that, build these massive warehouses. Um, they're not making money from Cast, they're making money from the warehouses. So it's in their interest to fast track this. I mean, you know, the company, the Axiom, they're not against us by any way. They will be fighting for us. And they've spent a lot of money in order to do that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of forces pushing Cass's way. Uh, in this, from what, I, from what I can see, I'm trying to look at it as objective as possible. Obviously, I'm no expert in this, but I've just got to, all I've got is what I can read, what I can listen to. Um, in regards to the environment, uh, environmental agency uh, letter that went, did, kind of did the rounds a couple of weeks ago, I did tweet about this on, on the site um, uh, from Coifecast Twitter, but that's just part of the course. Uh, I believe, as far as I'm aware, I've got, I've got an architect friend who said the same thing. This, this just happens all the time. That happens all the time from the environmental agency. That is nothing new. Uh, most new developments get something like that. And it's certainly not cut and dry. That is not, you know, the environment agency don't come in and say, oh, we want a new flood risk assessment. And, you know, that doesn't scupper a whole million dollar pro uh, million pound project. That's, that's not how it works. Um, it's very usual for planning applications to be approved on the proviso that you provide this agency with a flood risk assessment, which we will eventually um because it's quite it's quite a minimal part of all this it's quite small um it, yeah 
it seemed like a bit of a fiddle to be honest to get some money out of the club ultimately from the agency um there was literally a reference to you know you can sit down with us and we can talk you through it but it'd be 100 pound an hour that was on the letter um i don't think it's a big deal i understand again you know we're so invested in this why people thought it was a huge deal i don't think it is i don't think it is and by all counts there's multiple agencies sport england for example that are pushing for pushing forecasters a lot of I think there's more forces going forecast than against for once uh, in this instance, which is, which is good to see. And look, it, it, it's a bit, it's still a fingers crossed job. Don't get me wrong, because this plan application is, is vital and there is objections, um, not to the ground. I, I don't think there's any objections to the ground really or nothing of any um, any real merit. Uh, there is objections to the warehousing, which you can understand to an extent. But as I say, the way the economy is at the moment in the UK, I don't think a local council can be even seen to be knocking back investment at that level, to be honest, not when it's producing, you know, four-figure jobs. I'm, I'm quietly confident. I, I will honestly say I'm quietly confident and that might hit me in the arse. Maybe it will, but I am quietly confident this actually will go ahead. And I think it's, and it, we've just got to be a little bit patient. We've just got to be a little bit patient and not, immediately go to the you know the worst case scenario because you know that's the final part of the question you know how would it affect the club in regards to the IMG grading uh it wouldn't be great would it well, let's be honest it wouldn't be great if um if we can't get the stadium over the line if if for whatever reason this did completely fall through and we only had you know the two million quid or whatever to kind of redevelop the ground um clearly it wouldn't go in our favor um I think an IMG grade A would be a bit of a pipe dream uh, at that point however there's probably 10 15 20 years where being a grade b will still be enough to get you in super league as long as you're you know competitive enough on the field so it wouldn't be absolute doomsday as well at the same time it clearly wouldn't be great and i think you know the only way we can ever completely secure um super league status without the kind of the risk of relegation and stuff like that is this kind of going ahead or something similar going ahead um, but it also wouldn't kill us off completely um, is, is my kind of take on it. But again, we've got to be kind of glass half full with this. I think you have to be. It is the closest we've ever been. And as I say at the start of it, this exact legal agreement is how Wakefield are currently building a stand. Um, so it's there. It's, you know, just a few miles down the road. That is that in action. You know, there's a massive warehouse at Newmarket right now. The trade-off for that is Wakefield are building that stand. So a very similar scenario for us and hopefully, hopefully, uh, it comes out for the best. Thank you very much for the question, Carl. Uh, Macaulay, 2009. I assume that means you're 14 years old, which makes me feel extremely, extremely old, Macaulay. But uh, thank you very much for two questions here. Um, the first one's very, very topical. Uh, what do you think of Hulk AR's interest in nigh levels? Now, this question was set in yesterday. Um, we've probably got a little bit more on it now after Randy Luster's, um press conference. Uh, it would have seen. It would, it would assume he's gone. Uh, I think we can assume Nile Levels is not getting a contract next season with the Casper Tigers. Uh, we certainly haven't offered him one to this point. Back to my point on Eden about ruthlessness. I think it's the right move. I think it's the right move. It's a real shame. It's a real shame when Nile Levels because he's probably the the signing I've been. At the time we signed him. I can't remember being that excited about signing. I thought it was an absolute blockbuster move from us. Made sense. He was the right age. He's English, kind of on the cusp of kind of England status. He's got a million tries for Salford. Made a lot of sense. 
and it's just he's just not played the games, has he? He's just not been able to stay fit, and we've just got we've got genuinely unlucky that one. Um, you know, some recruitment um, some recruitment decisions have been poor over the last few years. I think that is one we can honestly hold your hands up and say we got unlucky there. Uh, I think that's fair. Um, Hulk KR do appear to be getting him uh, as a winger. Uh, I think. I mean, you can read between the lines. They've already signed Peter Hiku for next year, who they've kind of alluded to being the fullback. Um, replacement for Lock and Coop, who, by the way, might even be retiring early, Lock and Coop. That's a possibility um, on the grapevine because of concussions. But Nile Levels, he can go for me and I'm not too upset. And it's a shame, as I said, but for the money he'll be earning, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And he'll score tries for care. I'm no doubt. Obviously, he had a, had a really kind of good career on the wing for Salford score. I think he's their all-time um, all-time Super League try scorer in our levels before he kind of transitioned to fullback and obviously moved to Cass. So he'll score tries on that wing for sure. But I don't think we can afford to keep him around on the money he'll be on. He'll be a top five earner at the club, I would imagine. That's quite a lot of money we can invest elsewhere, especially when we've got players like Jack Broadbent, for example, coming through who can play in that position and in the short term, Gareth Woodup as well. Uh, I would rather use some money to use it elsewhere and just focus on the youth for that one. I really would. Second question from McCauley. Thank you very much for that one. Who so far has been player of the season and who so far has been the signing of the season? Um, okay. Could be the same answer. Uh, there's an argument that the same player could be the answer for both. That would be Jack Robin. I think he's definitely been the signing of the season. I don't think there's be, can be any doubt there, really. Um, he came as essentially a rotational centre uh, from Leeds. He wasn't getting a game at Leeds, played at Feverson Rovers like the back end of last year. Had some talent, but he was ultimately going to be a rotation player. You know, he's got a number in the, in the 20s, I think. Um, no, doesn't, he's number 17, isn't he? But um, yeah, he was signed as a rotational centre. And the fact he's played games at fullback, he's played games at centre. I think he might have played one on the wing or filled in on the wing. And he's currently, I mean, we're going into a game midway through the season. We've just got into a Magic Weekend game where he was starting six and no one's really back than eyelid. And I, that says it all, doesn't it? That says what, what, what impact he's had in just kind of 15 games, 14, 15 games. It's been really, really impressive from Jack Robin. And at 22 year old, he really is someone we need to be signing up for. You know, the next three or four years, give that give that lad a long term contract now, uh, and, and he's one you can really build a team around. There's a few backs, isn't there? There's a couple of backs: Elliot Wallace, Softon, Jason, Gary, Gary there, Jack Broadbent, and then in the forwards as well, like Sam Hall, Brad Martin. There is the blossoming, aren't there? There, there are some kids there where we can potentially kind of hitch the wagon and and really build a team around those guys. And I think Jack Broadbent uh, sign of the season, absolutely. Um, player of the season he's close he's, he's top two uh, he's definitely top two I'm going to give it to someone else though and um, this was referenced with my dad actually in episode three um, which we kind of went through the whole team but I think Joe Westman deserves a lot of props right now um, 14 games in this could have been anything couldn't it um, we've not talked about the situation in depth and I don't want to, really. He's been and gone. Uh, there's no real need for it on the podcast. Um, but I think we're all aware, you know, this could have gone either way this year. This really, it, it was a bit of a risk, let's be honest. Um, he was thrown in week one, nothing played week two, came back in week three or four. 
it, it was going to go one of two ways. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful, so thankful that it's gone the way of Joe Westerman being probably our best performer this year. Um, he's been switched on. He's been passionate. Um, the effort levels have never really dipped from him where it has kind of with other individuals, but he's always been there. Um, he, he's tried every week. He's tried every week and he's, he's got that ability, hasn't he? I mean, even at his age, he's, he's an enigma of a player, really. He really is one of the best loose forwards in the league still. Um, you know, he's big enough to break the line. He's big enough to really cause a defensive threat. Um, but at the same time, he's got the offload. He's got the ball handling. He's always had that. You know, he, he filled in at six the other week. You know, he's capable of doing that. He's, he's a remarkable rugby league player, really. Um, and it's a real shame he's not played more of his career at Cast, to be honest. Obviously, things have gone a different way financially. You not know, a number of years ago, maybe, you know, he could be a player who had 300, 400 Cast games. It, it's a shame that's, that never happened. And obviously, you had those uh, stints at Warrington and Hull and as far as Toronto and various other places. But... um. Westy's been great this year. Westy's been great this year. And I think he's going to get a contract for next year. I think reading between the lines, there's an opportunity for him to get a contract to probably retire at the club, which is something I imagine he'd be, he'd be more than happy to do at some point. Uh, and he, he, he's deserved it. He's deserved that deal. And as much as we need youth in this next squad, you do need linchpins. You can't have a complete set of kids either. You do need a bit of experience there. Obviously, there's McShane at nine. Uh, we're going to have the two halves around the squad uh, anyway because they're on deals. But Joe Westerman is someone you at least keep around for next year, maybe even the year after. He's got that culture about him. He, he, he's Cass, isn't he? he? He's Cass and you need that, especially if you're bringing a bunch of young kids, some of them who might not necessarily know what the club's about. You know, sit him in a room with Westerman for half an hour. I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to find out. Um, so yeah, he'd be my player of the season with uh, Jack Broadbent signing of the season. Thank you very much. Macaulay, for those questions, you provided two. That's very, very useful for me. Um, Brandon Wardhead next. Um, who is your favourite cast player, past and present? Um, I'm going to open this one up to everyone, by the way. I will get something out on Twitter in the next couple of days. I'm uh, asking this question because I'm genuinely interested, particularly in the past, um, but also present to an extent. Uh, I'll answer that one first in terms of present. I'd probably say Westy. I, I probably would. I probably say, would say based on what he's provided this year, you know, there's been very, very frustrating games of rugby where, you know, effort's been difficult to difficult to see on the field at times. He's always been the constant. Um, like I say, he's cast through and through. He's got a little bit of Joe Westman, haven't you? Uh, I think you have to. And I think he probably would be my favourite cast player presently. Uh, in terms of the past, I mean, it's a very difficult question, which is why I want to pose it to you listeners. I'm really intrigued. Obviously, got listeners of very different ages as well. I'm only 25, so I can only go back kind of this century. But obviously, there were some incredible players in the past going right back to the 60s. And, and Arthur Atkinson was pretty good in the 30s, by all accounts. I'm not sure anyone goes quite that far back. But if you do, please do let me know. Um, Favourite cast player? I'm going to cop out a little bit and say two. Um, It's impossible. I think it's impossible for someone around my age, around 25, who was old enough to be around kind of the 2008 to kind of 2014, 15 period to, to have experienced that, the highs, the lows, everything in between, the Wembley finals, everything. So I've been old enough to understand what was going on during that uh, period. Anyone who was, I think it's very difficult to not throw a ranking chase in this, isn't it? You know, he's a, a maverick of a player, a maverick of a human being, if we're being honest. Um, but Rangi was sensational. I mean, he, he did things with the rugby ball I've never seen in person from anyone else. 
you know, we, we saw a little bit on the TV, you know, Benji Marshall was doing, <laughs> was doing similar things for West back in the day. And, you know, he was our very own little Benji Marshall, wasn't he, when he came over. And um, the interesting thing about Rangi is he probably didn't hit, you know, we remember obviously the Man of Steel year and um, the incredible, incredible forms of 2011, you know, the semi-final try against Leeds. So, so many incredible moments. Um, when he came over, it probably took him a little bit. It wasn't straight away. He wasn't a superstar instantly. He was good, but he wasn't straight away in there. Took him a little bit of a while, but once he started hit, once he started going, once he really kind of took the team by the scruff of the neck, once he kind of invested himself in the area and what cast meant, he was. I mean, there's, there's games where he, he was unplayable, absolutely unplayable, uh, and he loved it, didn't he? He absolutely loved it. Um, it, it's a shame it went the way it did with Rangi. It really is. Um, you know, twice he had to depart the club. First time it was a, you know, it was Salford. It was kind of there. You know, Marwan Kukash rev- revolution. Uh, he leaves the club that way. And obviously the second time uh, he heads to Widnes and then that doesn't last too much longer. Um, it, one of the most remarkable things about Rangi Chase really, and it baffles me to this day, was he, he had the number six shirt in 2017. He was number six. That yeah, it's insane. Um, didn't play too many games, it was part of the start of the season. Um, made a couple of tries down the line as well. I think he, I remember, I remember him sending a pass out to Toyo Agoda when he came over, um, which was sensational. Just just an incredible player, an incredible player. And it's it's really hard to not throw him in the favorite cast player category, uh, certainly at my age. Um, Rang is just something I've never seen before on a cash shirt and maybe never will again. Um, I did say I'd cop out though, so I'm going to throw another one in. Another player who, when he came over, really didn't hit his straps to start with and was probably a bit a bit disappointed, to be honest, in his first year or two. Came at a bad time. Uh, it was an Ian Millwood signing, I believe. Um, so it was probably hard for anyone to look good in that team, in fairness. But, you know, it was a bit, it was just a bit okay to start with in the first year, 18 months. Started to feel his way around, started to kind of hit some form. And by the time he left, uh, one of the finest imports we've ever had. Um, that'd be Grant Millington. I think Grant Millington was just a sensational league player. Could do it all. Really could do it all. You know, a towering prop forward. You know, he could break the line. He could tackle. But then he could stand in at six and be a ball player. Um, I didn't know. We certainly didn't know he had that in the locker when he came across in 2010, 2011. That's for sure. Um, You know, one game for us, essentially. uh, Filling in at six. Uh, His size. A remarkable player. Remarkable career at Cass. You know, he's going to be really in that hall of kind of a Yatuera and a cow and Adrian Vowles and those kind of players that came over from Oz. He's right up there. He's right up there and might be one of the very, very, very best. Um, he's something I'd love to get on the podcast, actually. So hopefully that'll be something I can do uh, as we go forward. Um, and certainly one of my favourites uh, of this era, uh, of the previous era as well. Um, so I'm going to go Rangi and Milo as my favourite cast players. Uh, past and Joe Aston. Present. Uh, the Tudlow Observer. Interesting. Um, not sure what that means, but we'll go for it. Should Cass and Super League clubs as a rule have a fans representative on the board? Would this help to open up communication between the club and its fans? Seen a lot, uh, sorry, been a lot of complaining going on about the lack of it, uh, lack of it meaning communication, I imagine. It's an interesting idea, and I wouldn't be. F- fully against it 
I don't know how you decide which fan goes on the board. That would be that'd be my first question because I don't mind it as a concept. I think the idea of a fan being on the board because it opens up communication kind of makes sense in a way. But at the same time, there's an awful lot of fans, myself included, who I would not put up to that task. <laughs> uh, there's an awful lot of fans I'd prefer to be as far away from the board as possible, to be honest. So I, I, I want to hear more on that. Uh, please reply <laughs> to Low Observer. Uh, I want to I want to know a little bit more about that. I want to see how how does this fan be elected? I guess maybe that's what it is. It's an election and kind of free name in the heart and whoever gets the most votes gets it. I don't know. Or the board kind of selects um, a fan representative. I, I don't know how it'd work. In terms of comms, I, 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 don't, I mean, yeah, because the question reads, would this help to open up comms between the club and its fans? I guess so. But I mean, there's other ways to do it. I, I don't think that's necessarily the way um, really, I think you could be a little bit more transparent without necessarily having a representative on the board. I think that's just, you know, I mean, the club's been knocked for it in the last few weeks and months. One thing you can't really say about them is they haven't made a conscious effort. I mean, obviously, in the Tigers Community Forum, and as I said, a few members met with the board this week. Um, we're allowed to kind of, you know, print their findings on the forum. You, you can't really ask for much more than that. We are ultimately a you know, it's a club and it's our club and we love it, but it's still, a, you know, it's a private limited company as far as I'm aware is Casper Tigers and, you know, they don't have to tell us anything. That, that That's it. There they is a business. I mean, rugby league clubs are a business. They don't have to tell anyone anything. They don't have to. The fact they have opened the door to that and have said they will open the door in future and that's, that's the policy. That's great. And that is probably the way to do it, to be honest. Um, unless there's a really good way of getting a really competent and clever fan uh, to represent and then you know provide them the means to kind of speak to the fan the rest of the fans I guess I'm not really sure how that would work and it could just be a bit I don't know I, I'm not really sure how that would work so I'd like to hear more on it but yeah there's also the element of anytime I kind of hear about that the kind of the famous Wayne Bennett quote of you know the second you start listening to the fans you'll be sat with them people are employed for a reason you know People are employed to do a job for a reason. And you know, we can all have our opinion over whether they do the job well or not. But I don't think we've got a God-given right to put someone on the board to kind of tell them what to, do, to kind of say, this is where you're going wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Not, not yeah. I mean, we're, not, we're not a club. We're not a fan-owned club. You know, that's, that's not what it is. Um, it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting concept about having a fans representative. But I just like, I'd like to hear a bit more on it. I'd like to hear a little bit more. And as I say, I do not think that is just the way to open up communications between the club and its fans. Um, I think we're seeing little improvements now anyway with that. And I'd rather just see those kind of little improvements just improve and improve and improve and more and more transparency. Um, one point I did see on the forum was kind of um, having kind of that figure, um, you know, for that kind of transparency aspect as well. The fact that, you know, many people don't really know Matt Grattan, for example, what he does and the kind of his job title. You know, we don't really have a CEO, for example, that we have a managing director. You know, not every company has a CEO. That's just that's just business that not every company has. You know, people complain about the fact we do not have kind of that figure. I guess Steve Gill was that figure. Uh, and various clubs do have that figure. Gary Heverton, obviously, at Leeds. Again, I don't really think it's the be-all and end-all. All that opens up is just the opportunity for a real personal scapegoat. And then when things are going wrong, they're just going to get absolute dog's abuse. So I kind of understand why, you know, 
board members, etc., would want to be a little, not in the shadows, that's the wrong way to put it, but you don't have to be shouting from the rooftops every two minutes because, yeah, you just don't have to. And it's, you're just opening up avenues for abuse when things go, don't go quite right. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. So I don't think, again, I don't think that's to be on end at all. Just to having a figure, you know, I mean, Wakefield have a figure in Michael Carter, you know, and he does a good job of it, what have you, but it's not changed the position, has it? And they're still in the boat they're at. It's, doesn't really change too much in my opinion um so thankfully thanks for the question it's a real thinker and as you can tell i've kind of gone around in circles with that one myself um i'd like to hear people's opinions on that um thank you very much for question it is an interesting one okay uh kieran noon uh penultimate question what is your opinion on out of concert out of contract what's out of contract liam watts i would refer you to episode two uh we did have a discussion about liam watts um we eventually said yes we would have him back for a year. It, I think I think I agree. I think I'm still with that. And I, I've kind of to and fro with that. I think I to and fro with it on the podcast. It's not cut and dry, that one. He's on a lot of money, Liam Watts. And I think I said it with the caveat on the podcast that he needs to want it. He needs to really want to be part of something. Um, and I'm not saying he doesn't. You know, he's one of these, obviously, with a lot of cast heritage and similar to Westy, I guess, you know, he came through the academy, you know, he had um, an academy profile and stuff and he's been familiar with Cass for a very, very long time and from the area and all that kind of thing. So I'm sure he does have a great love for the club. Um, but in terms of his kind of personal situation, you know, his age, is he looking for a way out? You know, which would be completely fine. Let's be honest, that's, that's, that's rugby league. That's rugby league. People have businesses outside the game. Um, so they should. They should be looking at what what's next because you, you can't retire on the wage of a Super League player. It's as simple as that. If he's all in for next year and can consistently put the performances together, which he's been doing for the last three or four weeks, uh, yeah, I'd give him a year. I absolutely wouldn't give him a year, but he needs to be sure on himself. Um, he may well be, and I hope he is. And I hope he is. And I love Liam Watts. He's a, you know, he's been a phenomenal player since he came back. You know, I guess we we, we picked him up. In, in a sense, obviously, he was, he was in a bad place with Hull. Um, we took a chance on him after the kind of headbutt uh, gate and all that kind of thing. Uh, but he's repaid us in kind, in fairness. He really has repaid the club in kind and uh, had a wonderful few years with the club and, you know, disciplinary issues uh, aside. And I won't really count this week, as I said, because I think it's a bit innocuous. But if he wants to be here and he wants to really kind of set an example for the young forwards who've got at the club and hopefully a few coming in, uh, absolutely, I'd keep him around. Um, if not, and he's even ten percent, twenty percent thinking about the future, uh, thinking too much about the future, and thinking about, oh, we've done about this. Don't know if I'm going to put my body on the line for it. Um, then you may, you may have to have a difficult decision with, a difficult conversation with him. But we'll see how that one goes. And finally, final question is from Lewis on Twitter at Lewis seven seven two zero zero four eight three. First point: get a new Twitter handle. One. I mean, unless 00200483 is a particularly special number to you. Um, I hope it's not your phone number, actually. Thinking about it. Uh, sorry, that's the case. Um, Lewis, thank you. Thank you for the question. What made you start the podcast? Very interesting question, um, which I did not prepare an answer for. I think, I don't want to say the club needs it. I think that's very. Um, that'd be very egotistical of me, uh, I think. Uh, I don't think the club needs it per se, but I, I did feel there's a little bit of a hole 
um, in, in the fan base or between the club and the fan base. You know, there's the, there's the club and there's the stuff they put out and it's a little bit one way, um, you know, as, as a club should be in a certain extent. And then you've kind of got, you, 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 there's the cast forum, um, there's Twitter, there's uh, the forums on Facebook, which are huge. You know, we're talking 12, 13,000 on multiple forums. You know, it was a massive, massive place um, for cast fans to, to discuss and talk about literally everything. And, you know, those forums are, you know, throughout the year, you know, even in the off season, you know, there's comments in there every single day and people just love talking about cast. We're the most, look, we're the best fans in the world. We're the most passionate fans in the world. We're, there's nothing like cast fans. There really isn't in the world of, genuinely in the world of sport, there's nothing quite like cast fans. We're a town of 40,000 and I'm aware and it's brilliant that there's obviously a lot of fans from outside the town as well. Um, but ultimately at the core of it, we're a town of 40,000 and that's how we're viewed. And 20% of the town minimum go to games, uh, 15%, 20% go, turn out for the games. I mean, in terms of proportion and others, and other cities and towns around, around certainly rugby league, but sport, that's unheard of. That is absolutely unheard of. We have by far the best attendance in Super League, if you, if you judge it on ratio of town. I mean, it's not even on proportion of town, town should I say. It's not even close. Um, you know, Leeds should be getting crowds of like double Wembley <laughs> based on the proportion we've got. They should be getting crowds of 150, 200,000. Um, we are a proper passionate bunch who love the sport and we love the, even more than we love the sport, we love this team, we love this club. It is, it is our town, isn't it? Let's be fair. I think it's why questions about the stadium are so prevalent and IMG and things like that because I would, I, I fear for what this town would be without the rugby club. I really do. Um, in terms of identity and it's so integral. I mean, look, we, we just lost. X amount of games in a row, you know, you're digging around in a relegation battle before Saturday and, you know, it's getting really quite bleak and, you know, there's endless negativity on, on socials and all that kind of thing. And you walk into town and within three minutes, you're still seeing cast jerseys everywhere. You, 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 we love it. We absolutely live and breathe it. Um, so the reason for a podcast was to kind of vent that a little bit or give an extra avenue because pretty much, the only way really um, you could read cast thoughts and um, have discussion was via text, I guess, you know, it was Facebook, it was Twitter. There wasn't really this kind of avenue. There was a, uh, a radio show, I think back in the day and a few extra bits and the club did a bit of a podcast back in the day, but um, beyond like kind of videos that the club put out, there wasn't really this kind of platform to really have these opinions and voice them properly. Um, like you would on, on a game day uh, in the pub, you know, that, that's really what I wanted. And, uh, also, I've got a little bit of experience podcasting, so it kind of made sense for me. Uh, I've got I've run an NFL podcast with 200 plus episodes, and uh, I do a little bit in, in my day job as well. So it made a lot of sense for me to start this. And I just kind of hoped, uh, really, when I put episode one out, obviously that was a bit of a rant. Uh, this one's even longer than I would say. Uh, but I have been asking questions, so that's fine. Um, I just hoped a few people would listen and maybe just pick up on it. And, you know, if, if I can change a couple of opinions on the way, and create a little bit more positivity and not even that, just cause a few people to think a little bit differently about this club, then I've succeeded. I really hope to maybe get 50 listens on the first episode. Um, I got 10 times that. And, you know, we went over a thousand downloads across just three episodes the other day. Um, you know, I've only been going two weeks and we've, I think we're 1100, 1150 now. Um, it's, it's me and, you know, a spare room 
it just shows the passion the, the passion of you as a fan base. You know, you just love consuming Castle for Tigers, as simple as that. So there was a real gap in the market there. Let's be honest, there was a real gap in the market. Uh, I wanted to do it. I wanted to vent some frustration episode one. I won't lie, but ultimately I just want to talk Cass. And with you lovely people uh, listening, that is all the better. And I hope to have many of you on the podcast. Uh, ultimately, this is for you. This is for the fans. And um, hopefully we can just kind of make this fan base a, a nicer and just a better place and a place with a little bit more critical thinking. And I think we'd be, in, we'd be in a really good spot. And, you know, if I can be that little bit of a conduit between the club and the fans eventually, and that's the way we go, maybe that maybe that works as well. But for the time being, I just want to talk about cats. And whatever you're here, I'll continue. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for all the questions. Coffee.